Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with performance and how to improve the human experience. Twice a week, I explore the latest science, technology, and tactics with experts in various fields of human optimization. I'm your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. So let's talk about current news. It's the holiday season, and I just came across one of the funniest things that I've read since, well, who knows. But I I run most of my news through Feedly because it allows me to view different aspects of the world with a certain level of levity, but also removing biases that can come from focusing on one news source. And today I was carefully given the article about a recent influencer scandal in the United Kingdom. You see, influencers are a term that somewhat bothers me, but also is something that I think goes under-recognized as a source of disinformation in this world. And maybe that's misinformation, disinformation, choose your word, choose your vocabulary, it's okay. But these particular influencers were the subject of a little bit of a prank pulled on them by a comedian, and I read this article, broke out laughing, and it's absolutely hilarious. Essentially, the comedian gave these influencers the opportunity to make money promoting a product which contains hydrogen cyanide. For those of us who are not biochemists in the crowd, hydrogen cyanide will kill you. And I really, really hope that this article gets much, much more attention than it is currently, because it just highlights a problem that I have with the general term of influencers or people that use that to market products. Because sometimes you can't trust those people. Just for instance, people who make videos and say the ingredients hydrogen cyanide without realizing that they're actually promoting poison. So high five to this comedian in the UK who came up with this idea of the prank, and thank you Thank you so much. We're going to link to that prank in the show notes. And the show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash top 10 for 2019. That is top, the number 10, for F-O-R, 2019, the number. And that was just a little bit of a prelude, a little bit of a sobriquet, if you will. I'm not even sure if I used that word right. For today's topic, which I wanted to share with you guys in what may be the last short episode of the 2019 year, the top 10 things that I've done to really just perform better throughout the course of this year. And what better way to do that than just jump right in, shall we, superhumans? So let's talk first about travel. This year, I've been on many, many planes to places that I've never been before, places like Latvia, the Ukraine, and I really passed country number 60 on my list, and I think I'm at 61 or 62 at this moment. By the way, greetings from Seoul, where I'm spending Christmas and New Year's uh, with great groups of people. And so 61 and 62 on the list were crossed off. And as I continue to travel this world, I don't really want to stop because I love seeing all parts of this planet. And so number one is going to be something that I've instilled to up my travel game, game, not grame. I don't know if that's a word, but let's have some fun with this, shall we? So uh, the product that I've brought into my travel game and really just kind of 
instituted is a travel uniform, if you will. And that uniform, really one of the core parts of that is my pants. And so we had Andreas Breitfeld on the show earlier this year from KTC Lab. And KTC Lab is a company based out of, I believe, Hong Kong, but Andreas sits in Munich, Germany and has become quite a close friend of mine. And he gave me these pants. These pants are EMF protective, which if you're flying over this planet at 10,000 meters or 35,000 feet, depending on wherever you are, I'm not sure if I did that conversion right. It's nice to have the family jewels protected. And what these pants do is they allow me to protect myself in terms of electromagnetic fields, electromagnetic radiation while on the plane. They're also super freaking comfortable. So we're going to link to that one in the show notes. You can go pick that up. I think the guys over at Biohacker Center are actually selling them online, but before you weren't able to get them online, they're just really, really comfortable. So that's one of my number one, or that is the number one, and these are in no particular order, hacks or upgrades that I've done for this year. In fact, we're going to move away from that word hack. We're going to talk a little bit more about optimization going forward. Number two falls into the category of stress. As you guys know, stress is something and anxiety in particular, not really depression, but anxiety is something that I've battled my entire life. And many of these top 10, what you'll see are revolving around addressing my stress and my stress resilience and building stress resilience. But let's talk about journaling. And so journaling is touted by Tim Ferriss and many others as really the go-to, I don't know, thing to do in the morning. Some people use this form of morning pages where, and I've talked about it before on the show, where you write out three pages consistently every morning. Frankly, after doing morning pages for a couple of weeks, I got really tired of forcing myself to write out three pages of sometimes morning nonsense. And instead, I brought the journaling practice back to the end of the evening. And how do I do this? Well, the end of the evening, I want to relax. I want to settle my mind down. And what's been a danger in the past is that I'll go to bed and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and have some sort of task, some sort of to-do, some sort of thing still lingering there. And at 3 a.m., I don't necessarily want to do it, but it won't let me go back to sleep. And so my journaling practice late into the evening is to really just capture three things I'm grateful for and also three, well, actually, it's just a never-ending list of what I have on my mind. And that's just a, I guess you can say a written vomit of my tasks, the things that are on my mind that aren't captured in my to-do list that just come to mind. And what has been the benefit of this is that the instances where I wake up at three, at four, I don't actually mind waking up at five, but at three, at four, at two, have gone down by a factor of almost 95%, which is incredible, right? And so that in combination with some of the supplements that have allowed me to stay asleep in the middle of the night has meant that my sleep quality overall has gone up significantly this year. Number three is alcohol. No, I'm not drinking every day. That would be a little interesting. And I know Todd White and others do drink every day and they drink natural wine and that has served them. And they've come on the show to talk about that in detail. But for me, what's been actually very interesting is to now reframe 
alcohol as no longer a necessity of social interaction, but a tool just to tap in when needed rather than tap out. And let me explain. So back when I was in banking, and it was very commonplace for me to just go uh, to a different country, to go to a different place. And one of the first things that I would do, I would look for, I would look for three things. I'd look for actually four things. I'd look for good coffee, a good bar, a good restaurant, and a good gym. And every night for a period of years, there's probably, I would average at least one drink. And that could be a cocktail, but sometimes that would get pretty extreme when you're going to social events. And when I left banking, I made a strategic decision to gradually cut back on alcohol. And that has had or been really a roller coaster, if you will, on the times where I've been able to cut back, but the times where I've also dialed in a little bit. And this year, I am proud of the fact that I've been able to not just dial back, but really only use alcohol as a tool for social gatherings to particularly dial in, and it's not a necessity. And so this year, how did I do it? Well, I gave up alcohol for six weeks at the start of this year when I got back from Argentina. Went backpacking in Patagonia. It was a great time, great place. Got back and immediately gave up alcohol for six weeks. That was the first instance. And so at the end of those six weeks, of course, I wanted a drink and I had a couple, but then I did it again. And that was maybe a month later. And when I gave up alcohol for six weeks, the second time, what was interesting was, is that the need, the necessity, the drive, even the interest to drink really, really went down. And that has allowed me to use it now strategically, just like I do some other things like nootropics to dial into conversations, particularly when I want and realize that I am not forced to, to drink alcohol in social interactions and social settings. There we go. Does that make me sound like an alcoholic? I don't think so. But now I'm able to control it. I'm able to use it as a tool to get more out of life rather than to just tap out of life. So that's number three. Let's talk about number four. Number four is workouts. So this year's been quite the journey on the workout front for me. Initially, when I started this year, I had a goal in mind of really just looking at uh, the European Powerlifting Association and taking a run at various weight classes and trying to be the best that I could. That came to a halt when I was unable to actually register for some of the powerlifting championships within Europe because I don't have a European passport. Now, I may have oversight or over just overlooked something that enabled me to register, but that allowed me to set a goal of finishing a marathon. And as you guys know, because I did an entire freaking podcast episode on this, that marathon for me was particularly challenging. But nevertheless, what came out of that marathon was a new view of exercise. There's a lot going on in my life right now. I'm getting married next year. There's a lot going on on the business side. There's going to be some interesting announcements that you guys are going to see over the course of the first quarter next year. A lot of things that I'm proud of. And so now I've been able to dial in workouts using tools like the X3 bar, which you can see the episode with John Jayquish on that, as well as the Carol to have this sort of minimum effective dose view on exercise. And it's funny because when I say minimum effective dose, we're talking about between 10 minutes in some cases with the X3 bar and 30 minutes a day of working out. And I do that about six days a week. 
and I implement it right in the middle of the day because frankly, I can do that, but it allows me to have a consistent source of energy throughout the day, throughout the work week. And I just kick ass and it allows me to take on all these projects. It's also not very much time. And you know what the results have been? Pretty freaking good. And so, so far I'm very pleased with this, but it's something that I'm going to look at running for the entirety of next year, uh, you know, competitions or fun things aside. And we'll of course measure before and after DEXs and let you guys know the results. Number five, something that I've, uh, I guess uh, I've been classified as is a person who likes data and that's probably correct. I mean, hell, I have a number of different data points on myself. I happen to love data and it allowing me to achieve objective measurement within my life. And so this year, uh, one of my top additions, I wrote down measurement, but let me explain because I've been measuring for a long time. And so you guys may be listening to this and saying like, hey dude, if you're measuring for a long time, how is measurement one of the top 10 things that you've done in 2019? First off, I think measurement is one of the top things I've ever done when it comes to improving my performance, improving my health. But this year, I really dialed it in. And I am very, very comfortable with the amount, the frequency that I measure, the number of biomarkers and the testing that I do in terms of how it allows me to live life optimized. In fact, I'm going to probably be giving a big, big talk on this next year. And what I've done is dialed in my measurement so that I have my own individual N of one benchmarks for how I'm improving over the course of a year. And I do this between every three and six months. I'm usually pretty relaxed about it just depending on what I'm trying to solve for. But my measurements include variations or I guess you can say uh, going down the wormholes of metabolomics, gut health, and even food sensitivities. Let me touch on that last one first because it is quite controversial. Uh, Food sensitivities, a lot of people don't like the fact that tests aren't standardized, that some of the things are questionable from scientific proof, but food sensitivities from a clinical aspect, and only one of my mentors convinced me of this, are very, very effective. They allow us to gather buy-in from a client, but also can be very, very effective in our own life uh, for just performing better. And so for instance, I have food sensitivities earlier this year to things like almonds and almonds were a regular staple in my diet. But if I remove them, what's been interesting is that subjectively I feel better and, you know, objectively my test results become better. Food sensitivities are things that you don't need to remove for your entire life, but you do usually need to remove them for a period of at least three months, sometimes up to a year. On the other fronts of testing, looking at gut health, I use a three-day stool test uh, provided by Genova that allows me to see both my parasite content, if any, and keep in mind, I travel all over the world, eat local food regularly, and so that is something that is top of mind. It allows me to see bacterial balance And it allows me to just in general assess whether or not I'm digesting foods properly. This allows me to 
dial in supplementation. It's one of the tests that allows me to dial in supplementation very well because before I had this really, really high fecal fat content, talk about something that you're going to want to look up later, but this really, really high fecal fat content uh, contributed to just maldigestion of fat. Well, now I could add ox bile into my diet and it allows me to digest fat better, perform better, and make sure that all of this focus that I'm giving towards achieving a higher fat content in my macronutrient ratios is actually going to serve my body. And the other test that I mentioned was metabolomics. And what's fascinating about metabolomics is that we can measure the health of our cells before as well as now. And by balancing the nutrients within our cells, we are able to upgrade our networks, so to speak, or actually balance our networks. We're not just uh, a collection of just random esoteric biomarkers that we need to optimize for. We actually need to balance those. And so this year I have addressed something that frankly I've known about for quite a while, but it wasn't quite so sexy and that's just minerals. And so looking at a multi-mineral to augment my, my intake has allowed me to just ensure that I'm getting nutrients and the cofactors needed to help areas like the Krebs cycle. And for instance, just as an example, to perform at their optimal or absolute best. So that's my little rant on measurement. Again, it's just a process that I've dialed in over time and I'm very, very happy with where it is right now. Number six, the strategic use of social media. Now, I probably should have ordered these a little bit differently. And, you know, this one kind of falls in the realm of productivity. And it's something that came at the tail end of this year. After speaking to a few of my mentors, it became very clear to me that I probably spent too much time concerned with social media. That's not to say that I don't love interacting with you guys, and I definitely will still do it. But how to use social media as a tool to get what I want rather than having it draw me into what are effectively energy vortexes, right? Because social media can very quickly curate a world where you can kind of feel inadequate. You can feel stressed out. You kind of wonder why certain people post things that are, for instance, hydrogen cyanide, and it still gets likes. I don't understand that. But rather than getting upset about it anymore, I'm just going to let go. And I'm going to use social media to disseminate a message to you guys and hopefully a one that is of signal rather than noise. And so using social media strategically now is a very, very key focus for the remainder of 2019. It's something that I've been able to implement recently, but it's going to be a key focus in 2020. I use tools in order to do this. There's things like Sked Social, uh, of course, Hootsuite and a number of others that you can use and investigate for your own life, but it allows you to schedule posts so that you can live in a present moment. All right, social media. And again, I'm not saying social media is evil. It's just a way that I prefer to engage with it. Let's talk about number seven. So speaking of letting go, a continuous theme that you've heard on this show is my addressing stress resilience and anxiety. And one of the books that was recommended to me earlier this year uh, by Pamela Gold of all people was Letting Go by uh, David Hawkins. And the book 
in itself a, provides a technique for just letting go of different uh, traumas, different aspects of your life, different emotions that do not serve you. And that kind of catalyzed an investigation into the emotional side of life, things that I could not objectively uh, quantify with a data point. And so the investigation to an emotional side of life made me realize that I don't have to do everything right now. And it took a while. It took a lot. And one of the other uh, top tens that we're going to talk about later helped me get there faster. But the idea of just not having to accomplish everything in this moment at this minute has served me and allowed me to get better sleep. It's allowed me to engage with friends more. It's allowed me to enjoy this moment rather than being constantly wrapped up in the future. So there you have it. David Hawkins is a good start. And again, we'll touch on more of these things here in a little bit. Number eight is a piece of technology. And I'm staring at it right now in my hotel room. Right after I'm done this, I'm going to throw it up my nose and on my head. And that is the V-Lite Neuro Alpha. I'm a fan of it. It helps me dial in my sleep. It also helps me dial in meditations in the morning. And I had a chance to meet Dr. Lou Lim, not only on the podcast, but also in person when I was speaking at Biohacker Summit. And he's just an incredible person. And overall, I had a great conversation with him. I love the willingness to test the neuroalpha in scientific means that he's been able to provide there. And really the intranasal transcranial photobiomodulation has helped me feel better. And that is really a tipping point or that device has been really a tipping point into investigation of brainwave states, which is something that I look to continue further in 2020. Number nine is masterminds and conferences. This is it goes back to a, actually a podcast that I released recently. And the idea of masterminds and conferences is actually curating a social environment. And Jim Rohn gets the credit for saying, you are the five people you surround yourself with. And as I continue to move through this world, I become increasingly aware of those that influence me, the inputs, if you will, to the everyday life. This could be things like social media. It could be anything from uh, the people I surround myself with, the people I do business with. And as I evaluate those people, I want to make sure that I'm in the right circles, people that upgrade me, challenge me, and really push me to that next level. And masterminds and conferences serve as a way, granted, it's sort of like paying for your friends in a way, but it serves as a way for you to get in the room with some very interesting thinkers. After that, it's up to you to capitalize on those opportunities and to really make the best of friends. But masterminds that I've been to this year or conferences that I've been to this year uh, include things like Downtown LA Summit, which has been profound just in terms of the people that I've been able to meet, interact with, and continue conversations with uh, to this day. That actually started this whole trip around the world that I've been doing. But conferences, including Biohacking Latvia, uh, to start the year, I've built an incredible re relationship with uh, the founders of that conference, particularly Caspers, but also Maris and others. And, you know, people like Tamu over at Biohacker Summit, all of these are due to engagements and conferences and being involved in conversations at those conferences. 
So I want to give a special shout out to those people that I've met at these conferences this year. I love you guys and I hope to continue to meet up, whether it be for coffee in Amsterdam or, you know, if you're in Amsterdam at all, of course, look me up, but also in different random locations around the world. Let's continue upgrading. And number 10 is something that when I posted it on social media earlier this year and a conversation uh, that I had had with a mentor on the podcast, uh, it got zero likes. And I can understand because I posted on LinkedIn and LinkedIn may not be the best place to talk about number 10. Number 10 is psychedelics. And so let's... uh, disband a few things here. Uh, Psychedelics, I'm not talking about getting absolutely fucked up and going to a Steve Aoki concert and just banging your head against the wall. No, I'm talking really about the strategic use of psychedelics to remove obstacles in your life. And so I mentioned earlier about letting go. I've also struggled uh, my entire life with just letting people get close to me. And psychedelics has allowed me to let that really perception or whatever it was go. And so now I, I feel like I'm closer to my friends than ever. I'm closer to my loved ones than ever. And it's enabled me to really dial in to this life. And We can talk specifically about psychedelics in another episode, but my perception of psychedelics really changed when I started to realize that so many smart people around the world are using them strategically to either think through creative problems and finding the solutions through those problems to get rid of their own personal obstacles or to get past their own personal obstacles or to really just dial in for this life and figure out exactly what they want. And so I've tried a few of these. Um, I mean, I'm happy to elaborate on that, but you know, looking at some of the more organic ones, but also some of the chemically formulated ones like MDMA and LSD, and I've tried them both in microdosing and sometimes cases macrodosing forms. On the macrodosing side, it was within the lens of the therapist, and that does help significantly in terms of working through problems. And the good news is, is that MAPS, an organization which I, I donated a very little amount of money to a long time ago, uh, is in the midst of phase three clinical trials, if not further than that, with the FDA in terms of using MDMA as a source for therapy for PTSD. I'm super excited about the future of psychedelics and one of the benefits of living in Amsterdam is that it's a lot easier access for me, but I'm not... Again, let me reiterate, none of this is health advice. You don't have to try psychedelics. In fact, if you can work your way through your own problems, that's great. But psychedelics is something that I have become open to in the year of 2019. And I have found it very effective in my life for solving and just really working through particular personal issues. I think this is a good time to really close things out. We're well over the typical 20-minute cap that is this weekend show. But I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let me know what you think. Send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. The show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash top 10 of 2019. You can check all of the things that I mentioned there. There'll be links in the show notes. There'll be lots of love for you guys. And again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for making this an amazing and epic year 
I'm not sure yet if I'll release another shorter episode before the end of the year or just really write you guys a nice little note about the top 10 podcasts for the year. But check this episode out again, decodingsuperhuman.com slash top 10 of 2019. And if you enjoyed it, dance around on TikTok like you actually know what TikTok is doing. Show your face on LinkedIn and say you enjoyed this or share the podcast. Head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And if you want to try out something really, really cool, go and buy yourself a Carol for Christmas. You know, the Carol is a device that I love. It allows me to get a kick-ass workout in a little under seven minutes and just move on with my day. I don't love endurance workouts because frankly, they take a long freaking time. And when you have a lot of projects up in the air, you probably don't have time. So go and get yourself a Carol because new year, new you. Actually, no, I hate that phrase. But Carol, nevertheless, at CarolFitAI, use the code decoding 150 and you're going to get yourself a hefty little discount on this beautiful badass bike it's boomer signing out enjoy your weekend my fellow superhumans 